Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Today on NFP, small business problem solver Linda Ray talks with me about starting a small business and the challenges that builders face, from getting loans to building up something that can be sold in the future. We talk about her move into Web3 with her Biz Glitch NFT project, which aims to give participants daily mistakes or glitches that they can learn to avoid in building their own small businesses. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, D. Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet, Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Right on. Hey, Linda Ray. Hey, Welcome hey. to NFP. Hey, hey, thanks, T. Klein. Look at us doing this. Fun. Yeah, it's like a little reunion. I mean, when did we first talk? It was a long time ago. But I think Ooh, it was, boy. didn't Summer? we connect through, was it Heather Parody that connected us? Yes. Mm-hmm. Heather yeah, Parody, yeah. Her, because she, her PFP, and I was like, stop the phone. Hold the phone. Stop the presses. I think I missed those two uh, cliches up. But yeah, she, her PFP, and I was like, where is it? I want one. And bought it immediately. And then when I was thinking about the art for the project, I was like, this is the guy, this is the guy. So that was really cool. It was, it was neat to meet you. It was neat to have her as a recommendation. Heather's a great person. She's doing an entirely new podcast now. Yeah. Have I haven't seen her on Twitter and I haven't, I, you know, I've been so uh, distracted, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I haven't seen her even on Twitter. She's more active on Instagram now, from what I can tell. Okay. I know she's got uh, a kick-ass TikTok too. Oh yeah. She has quite a following. She's uh-huh. been in this business for longer than than me. Longer. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long you've been in the social media scene. Social media. Oh, nine. Yeah. Oh, nine. Okay. Yeah. And you yeah, started that. Business. It's a different business. Right. Because you've been like a business, small business, entrepreneur kind of guru for years now. Well, guru, I don't know about that, but (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I have been messing around with making all kinds of mistakes for almost, hold on, 40 years. Yeah. So I've I've done corporate, uh, but mainly over 30 years was insurance based business and I've owned my own agency. I worked corporate. I've done life insurance, financial planning, um, home and auto business insurance. And my favorite was, was the business insurance. And that was my last stint before I sold the interest in the agency and went on my own, which was the scariest. What's that that like going from like making a business from scratch to the point that you sell that business? Like that's, that's gotta be quite a daunting process. It is, but you know, the thing is there, I don't want to get all metaphysical, right? Because there is some truth to the whole, what you manifest and what you think about Mm. happens because 
when I came back from Atlanta, I lived in Atlanta for almost 10 years and I was in the corporate side, reinsurance, ocean marine reinsurance, very, very separate. And I came back into the family business and my goal was like to myself and my own little journaling of things was we should build this business like we're going to sell it. You know, mm, it, okay, that's a so different... that was part of your vision from the start. It was part of my vision because the insurance agency model is such that it's a it's very uh, scalable and it's very sellable. So mm -hmm. I was very determined to grow the agency, and uh, and I did that. I grew the agency eight hundred percent, and it was fantastic. And it was kind of sort of from scratch. My my dad was running the agency, but it was very, you know, coasting along. And I really wanted to kind of see something like, you know, an upward trend. So I was out there hustling. I was pre-web one, right? Because there was no even, um, there was no Facebook at the time. There was- Pre-web no one, what's that? Like soup cans on a string kind of thing? Yeah. You know, you go and meet people in real life at a <laughs> at a chamber of commerce event. Talking and to a people, local... what? <laughs> I know. First of all, you can't say that ten times fast. Pre web one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was all IRL stuff and all. You know, I remember when email came out and the internet in the late nineties. You know, and then um, I, I never got into MySpace though. So. No, me neither. But growing from scratch is very, very hard because I've done it mm -hmm. now since selling in 2017. And Trevor and I started a business financing business. And that was from scratch. And it's tough. It's 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 all consuming of your energy when you have goals and you're wanting to reach as many people and not be the best kept secret. You know, that was my whole intention with marketing when social media for me hit uh, in 09, even though I know it was like 07 or oh, even before I was like, wait a minute, I could actually like not leave my house and people will still be able to connect with me. This is incredible. So I was I was digging it big time and it worked. The other business that I had for the insurance agency, that one I had grown my Twitter I had, was my favorite because Twitter is just like anything goes. Yeah. People tolerate all the whims and randomness, right? So um, I built that following up from 09 to 2017 with a little over 13,000 followers. That account stayed with the agency. And um, yeah, and I got uh, actually because of my my Twitter account, I was hired by Equifax to write for them every week. Oh, really? Yeah, they had, they were starting. Yeah, there, there was a woman there um, starting the whole blogging concept, the whole online blogging concept and, and got Equifax as a client and diversified the blogging channel with insurance, real estate, credit, and a couple other things. And she contacted me via Twitter and said she wanted me to she wanted to hire me to write for that channel every week. And and I was like, is this a scam? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I was like, why me? You know, like, how do you know me? Do you even know me? <laughs> so um, it worked out really well. She 
paid me for, two, I think a whole year, every month. And then she was like, I'm going to pay you, but less for you to tweet about all the channels, not just the insurance channel. I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was, that was incredible. That was my first paid writing gig and it was because of Twitter. So, huh. uh, yeah. Interesting. It, so writing for Equifax. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, there was a little claim to fame. I have to say. Yeah, for sure. And to get paid for it, that was like, you're going to give me money <laughs> to write what? about something that nobody wants to read? I'm in. <laughs> okay. so, but I mean, being that you kind of, you know, were building this business from scratch, you you probably had, I'm imagining a lot of small business owners kind of feel like they're kind of going on their own, so to speak. Like you kind of just, you know, and this kind of ties into this project that you came up with, this BizGlitch project that I did the art with you, mm-hmm. um, where you're, I think the goal of it, from what I can tell, is like building a community around this so that you're not just there on your own making these mistakes. Like, can you talk about, you know, some of these mistakes you made when you were kind of doing this on your own? This sure. whole building a business? Yeah. So one of the things besides my own mistakes of all the things a business owner has to contemplate besides doing the very thing that earns the revenue that, you know, you know, but it's the working on the business versus working in the business. And I was always fascinated about all the different improvements a business owner can make, but then how do you carve out the time when you have a client calling and complaining about something and with insurance, that was even, everything was hurry up and then, you know, wait till I make a decision. But, um, So when I got into the business insurance aspect of my career and I was working closely with business owners who were buying insurance, there were many of them that were like, I have to get this because I have a, you know, I need a certificate or I have to get this because my landlord told me I have to get this and all the have tos, nobody wants to buy insurance. But what I understood was what I began to understand was a lot of business owners were like, I don't even know what this means. I don't know. I don't know why I need it. And I would have to educate them on the things that could go wrong, on the worst case scenarios, mm-hmm. on why this insurance is going to help you. And they were like, oh, I didn't even think about it like that. So that was very satisfying when they weren't all of a sudden resenting this transaction they had to get involved with. And so that was one part of it. When I was doing the life insurance, that was another kind of decision making experience that I went through with people who were very emotional about anything related to money or making decisions about money. They, they would tend to not do anything. They would, you know, the not making a decision is a decision. They would not want to buy life insurance for any number of reasons, how much it costs. It was, I had one couple of very superstitious. If they buy it, then definitely someone's dying, right? It was (laughs) complete insanity. And I was like, okay. It's the same reason people don't like to write their wills, right? Because it's like, well, okay, if I do this, then, you know, something bad's going to happen, right? Exactly. So between my insurance career and the financial planning, I always kind of found myself naturally educating on the why behind this as a need, you know, a need Mm -hmm. behind the need, right? So uh, I, I was... A little surprised with how often I was kind of talking about just basic stuff that they didn't think about because people are busy and they have families and they're, you know, they don't want to think about this stuff. Right. So, but then 
what really, really, I didn't even appreciate how much this was so informative and educational for me with my interactions with clients and, and educating them. But when Trevor and I, he retired from the, the bank, he was a mortgage lender. He was a direct lender at a little boutique bank in Long Island. And he's also a professional musician. So when I told him, you got to leave the bank, because if you don't leave the bank, we're not going to be able to start this thing. And this thing is going to take us a couple few years for people mm -hmm. to even know who we are. And why are we all of a sudden talking about this kind of business financing brokerage we have now when I was insurance and he was home buying, you know, helping people buy homes. So we, he leaves the bank, we start and oh my God, we could not believe when businesses were trying to get capital for one reason or another to acquire a building or expand their business or buy another business, they didn't have anything organized. Some mm -hmm. had some things organized, but it was very interesting to see the flailing and floundering of, wait, what is that? Why do I need that? Why are they asking for that? Why do I have to disclose that? And we were like, do you want the money or not? Because that's kind of a normal process. This is a normal request for a normal process, but it's been around since the beginning of time. Okay, fine. And then what happened was our then COVID hit in March of 2020. And we had about three and a half million in the pipeline of loans in process and to the tune of about $150,000 in commissions that were at the end of this transaction for us to receive. And there were, they were in play, they were in process. And then COVID hit and the banks were like, sorry, got to go PPP, you know, payroll protection program. And um, we're not even gonna work on these files anymore. So you can tell your clients, forget about it. They're not getting the money. Wow. And we were like, what? Oh my God. And I turned to Trevor because, you know, my background is not lending. I was just doing all the marketing for it. We were doing, you know, videos. We were do we had two shows. We had if then Thursday and finance Friday. And basically they were just, if this happens that in your business, then if, if this happens, then this happens. Right. Or the finance Friday was step-by-step, step, you know, how to apply for a loan. And we would tell you how to do it. And it's all there for you. Just watch the show. Nobody watched the show. <laughs> so then COVID hits and Trevor was like, well, you know, Alex from LA, uh, from San Diego, he was asking us about this EID alone. And I don't know what it is, but he was like, you have all my stuff already. Just figure it out. And, you know, I'll pay you for that part instead, you know, of getting the money for the, the other restaurant. So Trevor was like, the guy's going to pay us for, to do something. We have no idea what to do. So I don't know. I think it'll be fun. Let's try it. <laughs> so I said, uh, all right. So we just started going, uh, we started doing videos. No, we were going live every week. It was sort of like the breaking news. Like everything was breaking news because the SBA is so dysfunctional. And um well, Small Business Administration, just in case anybody's watching this outside of the U.S. since you're in Canada, I just figured I'd, you know. All right. So we start doing breaking news and we would just share all the things we were doing on all the files and all the bits of intel along the way. And we would go live and nobody was watching. So I said to Trevor, you know, it's not working. Nobody's seeing these. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. 
And then I stumbled upon TubeBuddy, which is, you know, there's vidIQ and TubeBuddy. Either way, they are, they SEO your videos on YouTube, okay. right? Yep. So I invested $43. <laughs> I know it's big, big time, big time. And, and I, uh, I, I, so I learned how to set up the videos on, to make them more discoverable. Right. And you said this was with tube buddy, tube buddy. Yeah. Okay. Tube buddy. I don't ever understand the names where the same sound is yeah, together. I thought it was tube buddy, but no tube. No, buddy makes tube, more sense. Like YouTube. Yeah. And to yes. YouTube's buddy, right? So, yes. so I started restructuring and I said to him, I go, why don't we do this instead? Why don't we Google how to apply for an EIDL loan? So we, how do you apply for an EIDL loan? And then like 10 other questions that people were searching for popped up. So I said, we're going to do three minute videos on all these questions. Mm -hmm. So we called it advancing with financing. I mean, we've had like, I don't even have, we had if then Thursday, finance Friday, WTF Wednesday, which was the live show nobody watched and then advancing with financing. So lo and behold, October of 2020, September, September of 2020, we started advancing with financing. And then October of 2020, somebody found our video <laughs> and they were like, how do you not, how do you guys, not, how does nobody know about you? Your information is you know, rock solid. And he ended up hiring us. And then two other people found us on Google. And, and then we were off to the races. And then within six months, we were monetized. And uh, so, so short story, painfully long. When we started with the disaster loan program for the economic injury that businesses were sustained because of COVID and the lockdown, we then went from having 40 clients, no client, having one client to 40 clients to then over 500. And we had a live show. We were back to doing live Q&A and we, we were, you know, climbing up over 5,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube. And, but what we saw was a combination of business owners did not know how to apply for a loan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you go into business, you know, it's not like you go to school and they teach you how to run a business or how to start a business. You, you know, you have to kind of garner all that intelligence on your own. And you certainly don't go into business to say, you know, I want to learn how to DIY a business loan when I need <laughs> money and to how to, you know, and to raise capital and what are all the things that I need to do when I need money in my business to liquidity, right? No one teaches you how to do that, except for when there's a, a, a pandemic in our lifetime and SBA pivots because their, their program was exist, it had been in existence since like 1953 or 1955, I can't remember now. And that program was there for when a natural disaster hit a town or a community and there was property damage and or economic loss to a business because they had to shut down while they repaired and all of that. So that program was already in existence. So, you know, the, the government said, okay, you're going to start doing COVID's now a, a, a natural, um, I'm sorry, COVID's now a, a disaster, a declared disaster. So you're going to do this program for COVID and businesses that were on lockdown and closed. So businesses started applying and they were being declined. Well, some were getting approved, 
the program had so much dysfunction and they started the program, but then they capped the limit. The limit has historically been up to 2 million. A, a, okay. um, you can borrow, a business can borrow up to 2 million. But the at the time, the administrator said, we're going to run out of money, so you can only get 150. Okay. And she, at, right. Okay. So, so all of a sudden, businesses that were, you know, uh, if, they're, if the business is making a million dollars or $2 million, which is not unrealistic, a, a buck 50 is, you know, lunch. That's, you know, a night out, right? Because it's nothing for a business to then get back on their feet, right? With payroll sure. and rent or, or mortgage or, what, or whatever, right? So she was called before Congress and was like, you're not, that's not your decision to make. So finally, after months and months and months, I think it was like six months, they, um, was it six months or longer? They increased, they finally increased the cap from 150 to 500. Okay. So businesses had to then go and file what they call reconsideration. Because the SBA, you don't file a new application. No, 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 because that's too smart. For the SBA. <laughs> no, no, you have to actually you file a reconsideration of the original application. And everybody, not everybody, so many business owners were now getting declined because they were scrutinizing all the documents now because of all the scams that happened. You know, mm. all this talk of scams in Web3, like it... I'm not going to say it makes me, obviously doesn't make me laugh, but when people are so afraid, it's like this shit's been going on since the beginning of time. You know, yeah. the, the encyclopedia guy knocking on doors was scamming you out of money. Hey, Wells Fargo got fined, what, $3.7 billion the other day for setting up fake accounts for customers, I think it was. Yeah. Which is not, like, it's, that's not the first time. No. It's happened before with Wells Fargo, I believe. I could be wrong. Yes. No, yeah, exactly. When you said this, I'm like, wait, this is like deja vu all over again. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe so, it's just that they finally had to pay the fine. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that, that might be it. Yeah. Right. So, be, but, you know, scamming is not unique to Web3. It is not unique to Web3 <laughs> at all. It's not unique to NFTs. It's not unique to crypto. Okay. Uh, so anyway, short story long again, uh, they, they increased the cap to 500, but that was not enough for companies that actually were eligible for the full 2 million, you know, the full boat. So just for clarity, these are yeah. companies that kind of were in a crunch because of COVID and were now seeking loans to kind yes. of stay afloat. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so, the SBA is, is that like a federal agency in the United States? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Small Business Administration. Yes. It's uh, a lot of uh, a lot of banks will, mm -hmm. you know, they'll tout themselves as we're an approved SBA lender. Right. So okay. when we were doing our business financing, it, it, if when we were when we were aligning ourselves with banks, because banks were our biggest referral source when they couldn't approve the sure. loan they would send us the client and, and the business owner and say, you know, you got anything else? And we had a matrix of lenders. So, um, so we be began when we had some of our files that were going through a bank that was touting their SBA, you know, preferred vendor at the end of the day, it's like, 
they didn't even want to lend bank didn't even want to lend their own money on a $125,000 loan. And they would, they would go to the SBA and we saw, and we saw what was happening. The S not the bank would do their underwriting, but then the SBA would get their claws on it and just be completely like, I don't even know if they were, they hired 16 year olds to underwrite these files. Right. Because they wouldn't even, they would come back and, ask for something and, and, or decline the loan because that document wasn't in the file. So they declined the loan. And it's like, well, why don't you just ask me, ask me for the document. And the banker said, no, that's what they do. They decline it. So then we open it again when we get the document in. I'm like, this is sounds efficient. This is so dumb, right? (laughs) So the, the real, the painful thing to watch for us when we were underwriting the files, because Trevor was lending money for over 30 years. So he knows how to, he knows how to be a loan officer. And uh, it was partly, it was partly SBA dysfunction, but part of the messaging when we would go live and, and people would come on and ask questions. Part of the problem was that we had to tell the business owners, you got to think ahead of what you what they're going to ask for, and part of our our show was to tell you what to do to apply for the loan and not get declined. But the business owners were so harried, and 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 it was an emotional time, right? It was very sure, very sure. emotional, and and people were down double digit percentages, you know, if not half, you know, or more out, you know, out of, not out of business, but closed and no revenue coming in. So it was very emotional. And a lot of people weren't thinking straight, but we would have to tell them, you know, what do you mean? You don't know where your tax return is. I mean, some basic stuff. You don't know where your EIN letter is, you know, or your SS4, they call it, you know, in the IRS, when you incorporate and you get the letter that shows that you incorporated, you get a letter with that and you have an EIN number. It's like your social security number, but it's for the business, you know, it's two digits dash and then six more digits. They didn't know we had one woman who had two businesses and the accountant for years and years put the wrong EIN number on the wrong tax return for the other business. So the other business had the EIN for the other business. Uh huh. Swap them basically. It's like, you're never going to get approved. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I suppose a lot of it is, if I may interrupt, a lot of it is a lot of people that are starting small businesses, they may be very much inexperienced. And it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to try this. And, you know, like when I started doing all this stuff, I didn't know crap about incorporating Uh or any of that stuff either. Right. You know, and it is something where you can feel kind of alone. Yes. In it. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're coming from another line of work that's not running a small business, you know, like if you're job before was as an employee for somebody well then you don't necessarily know any of the basics of starting a business other than saying yeah i'm doing this now it's like yeah but legally speaking you know what are you doing to actually start your business in an official sense exactly it's it can be pretty daunting it's overwhelming and intimidating because the thing is i'm part of you know back to the whole like biz glitch and, you know, this was going to be a web two kind of thing. I mean, we were, we started podcasting on it. 
Uh, I was even thinking of thing, you know, like, oh, I'll make a journal, you know, you know, like those daily calendars where it's like quarter of the day, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of where I started with this. I was like, okay, it'll be a mistake of the day. It'll be a little calendar that sits on your desk and, um, you know, something inspiring to like, oh, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know? So um, it's very overwhelming because you don't, how are you, how do you know what you don't know? You yes, know, how exactly. How do you know to fix something that you didn't even know could be broken, right? You, you, you don't know. And um, we saw that a lot. And the only reason Trevor and I had any semblance of order with things was because I owned a business and made a ton of mistakes. And he, and he was a manager and he was a sales manager for the bank. And he did all kinds of managing and overseeing of people for the owner of a lending institution. So he was very, very savvy with how to manage people and, and all the things that go along with that. So combined, I thought we were a really good team to be a trusted advisor for these businesses that were struggling to get this loan approved. And, um, you know, we had to set up even in this business with the new business, we had to set up all kinds of new protocols because when you go from zero to 40 to 500, there's a lot of systems that have to be in place to organize and be organized. And also because it's financially related, you want to have stuff documented. Mm -hmm. So we had to implement all kinds of things and found out about our own mistakes and things we could have done better along the way when this thing was kind of scaling up, right? So it, it's been... so. Since, since growing the agency from 99 to then selling my share in 2017 and then starting the financing and then doing the disaster loan, you know, and, and this brings me, you know, to this year, well, 2022 was winding down the whole 26 months of the, of the COVID disaster loan process. Cause then the, the program closed ultimately, right. they ran out of money with, with so many people, I'm doing the air quotes, um, they ran out of money with so many people still left holding an empty bag of nothing, right? Where it's like, wait, and legitimate businesses. That was the heartbreaking, true, legit businesses that somewhere along the way, something happened and the SBA was like, nope, this is fraud, not touching it. Oh, really? Oh, so you'd have businesses that just shut down overnight because SBA decided that they were not legitimate well, in one not, way or another? Some shut down for sure. We just had a guy who emailed us and said, I'm closed. So now what do I do? And he got the loan mm. and he came to us and we got it approved for him. And he's like, now what? So, wow. but, but there was a, one, one thing the SBA did do, or I should say that they didn't do they could not understand a business owner could have more than one business. Mm. We had a couple of clients that had 10 businesses, 15 businesses. <laughs> they couldn't get, they like literally physically, mentally could not understand how this was possible. So, um, you know, it's just, again, the fraud that happened with these programs, um, truly in the 
really big scheme of things was technically very nominal. Okay. So when very, you're talking very, about fraud, like you're talking people just seeking loans that had no business getting a loan. They were seeking loans on businesses that did not exist. Okay. They, they faked. And everything. how were they expecting to pay back these loans? Well, I mean, if you have no moral <laughs> compass to <laughs> apply for a loan on a business that doesn't exist, I don't think they cared about that. <laughs> they weren't expecting to pay it back, much less get just you know found out and then arrested and but surely that doesn't jail. surely that's that uh, there's a very significant lack of forethought there to taking out a loan for a non-existent business like my immediate thought would be okay how am i gonna deal with this when the jig is up right like yeah but you're an honest <laughs> soul okay d like guess, of I course guess. you're not gonna know i mean most people who are not criminals are like how did they even think of that you know <laughs> or how do you, i can't okay here's a very funny story i have a client where i do uh, i do marketing for her business and she actually consults and trains other insurance agencies uh -huh. and she has a program where an insurance agency can hire her and her team will do secret shopper calls okay oh. and actually trevor who's a musician and a performer he he was like i'm in. i'm gonna get paid for making fake phone calls i'm in and meanwhile because i'm a licensed insurance broker and i kind of know how to sell insurance i was like i can't lie to these people i'll never pull it off I, obviously I'm not an actress. So, <laughs> so I never did them. Cause I'm like, I can't pretend to be Betty who wants to buy a ranch in, you know, Florida. Like I'm not doing it. I can't do it. <laughs> but Trevor had, a, you know, every week he would have new calls to make and then have to do a video on it. Oh, really? Yeah. He would do a video on it and how the incoming so they call it inbound marketing right so they would have yes. a lead so trevor's a, a lead i'm air quotes he's a lead and he's making a call into the agency and now he's going to be he's got a whole protocol a whole checklist of things he's going to have to grade them on they don't know it uh -huh. and then he has to do it in a video form because then that video goes back to my client, and then my client says this is how this person handled the call and all that okay. went wrong. And how long did it take to answer the phone? How did they sound on the phone? Uh, you know, and, and did they call them back? Did they quote them right there on the spot? Was it a one call prospect experience or was there like, you're going to wait three days because this is not Geico with 15 minutes, you know? So really interesting stuff. Um, it reminds me of when I was a student and I was a waiter and we'd occasionally have these secret shoppers, or I forget what they were called. They yeah. would come in and basically review your service, right? And review your- Really? You it's know. like Michelin star stuff. Yeah, they, they report that to the management, right? And, you know, oh <laughs> so occasionally God. you get somebody in there, you're like, I think this person's actually a secret shopper. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and so you'd be like, hey, <laughs> anything else you need? You know what I mean? It keeps but, you on uh, your toes. Similar kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the other thing too about, uh, feedback right so there's that whole fear of feedback because someone might you know criticize you right so mm. that's very emotionally jarring uh you know a self-esteem kind of you know situation 
Uh, but there's also the whole thing about, I love, one of the ways that I was able to build my business on was to politely stalk my competition. Because if they were doing something that I thought was cool and I was impressed, I wasn't intimidated by it. I wasn't resentful about it that they were better than me. I was like, well, you know, it's kind of an interdependence mentality. It's like, it helped me grow. It helped me learn. It helped me see how I was maybe taking a shortcut when, you know, take a little extra time and have a client experience versus a transaction. That's, that's a different mindset, you know, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. you know, I just watched a video the other day, which I thought was really interesting. You know, posting is not posting on social media is not marketing. I can't remember. Her, I think her last name was Jax, J-A-X-X. I can't remember her first name anyway. And she talked about, she goes, yeah, I mean, it's one thing when you post, it's another thing where you have, you have something that they want and then you mm-hmm. nurture them to convert them into a client where they're then coming into your system. And that's a different experience, right? Than someone buying from you and then you never hear from them again. And, and, and honestly, you know, I resisted insurance. I tried to, I tried to exit the industry three times mm-hmm. within 30 years. The last time was like the most successful of leaving <laughs> that type of business. But in the end, I was, you know, I looked at it all wrong. I was like, God, that's actually the best business model that exists. If you think about it. You get paid renewals on people that stay with you for years. You, how, when was the last time you moved your insurance, you know, or when right. was the last? No, it's it's right, much easier right? to leave it as is for sure. And then when you need something else, you're going to call them because they helped you with one line of business, one product, one policy. So you'll go back and ask them, you know, again, if they do that as well as something else. So it's the best, it's the best model, but there's also ways to really not take advantage of all the benefits of how that is set up. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's why there are people who train insurance agencies to, you know, be, you know, have an experience versus a transaction. Anyway. Okay. So. Okay. So let's talk about BizGlitch NFT, the BizGlitch project. Uh, this is something that obviously it's tied to both of us, kind of unique on my podcast to be talking about something that I personally am involved in. As yeah, you should just just relish in it okay d (laughs) (laughs) well you know i'm proud of it i i i'm really happy with the way things turned out and it was a joy to create them i mean it was a lot of work you know but um i was just you know it was a it was such a treat to create something for something where i was able to just create in my style you know i've done other commissioned work where you know, people will say, can you do this in this way or do this in that way? And what I appreciated about this project was you were like, I like your style. Can you do it? I love it. Your way. Right. So that's, you know, what artists wouldn't want to do commission work like that. Right. So, uh, but yeah, tell us about it because of course you've talked a lot about your web two experience and running small businesses and the problems people face kind of trying to get that going. And, uh, tell me about how did this idea come to do this as a web three thing? 
Well, the Web3 really started in March of 2022 when I went to social media marketing world and mm -hmm. I stumbled into one of the workshops that was Web3 related. And I, Web3 was very, you know, it, it was still elusive to me as a word, you know, as what is Web3? And that's when all of a sudden, it was, oh, it's blockchain and it's NFTs. What's an NFT? Oh, you buy it with crypto. Okay. And it all kind of gelled together. And, but the thing for me was the, what I really loved about the blockchain as a general concept tool technology was that it's like the internet, but it's, but it's different, right? It's like the internet, but it tracks if you're promoting products or selling something and it's forever on the blockchain and then the royalties bit, right? Um, I know most of your listeners are even way smarter than me about all this stuff, but the royalties for me is what was the, the light bulb moment because Trevor is a musician and he's going to be um, recording songs. And so the music NFTs were a huge uh, incentive for me to figure out this technology and have it as a tool. And also because it's like, all right, there's Spotify, but if there's something where we own it, somewhere besides Spotify, I'm in, right? Mm -hmm. So that's when I went down the rabbit hole for six months. And then while I was waiting for him to like, you know, all right, well, we can't do the music yet because I'm taking a break after the pandemic and the loans. Um, I said, well, I'm still going to learn about it. So I'm a little more fluent and proficient with, with it and how to approach it as a, as a product, air quotes. So, um, but with the podcast and, and talking about things we saw about the mistakes with the businesses, I, I said, you know, maybe this could, maybe I could just experiment with the blockchain and make these mistakes and these podcasts that we've been doing into NFTs. And mm -hmm. I, you know, for me, I have to say, I, I was totally in love with the idea because as a business owner who I've always wanted to learn, you know, I'm the one who's buying those courses. I'm the one that's signing up for the workshops. I'm sitting in the front row when I have to go to CE, to, you know, the continuing ed, you know, uh, classes that I'm required to do as an insurance uh, licensed professional. So I always loved learning and, and figuring stuff out. So I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is a no brainer. I'm just gonna, we're gonna just talk about all the things we saw and all the things we witnessed so that you can have this information and know ahead of time, the, some of the blunders that have already been made, why go through it yourself when you could kind of stay ahead of it a little bit. So I, um, but I also wanted cool art. I, you know, cause I, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, so why the art? Like, why not just, yeah. you know, be a, a certificate or something that, or, token, or like a know? membership pass, right? right? Yeah. One of those passes that like they, it, go, it animates and it sure. goes around, spins around right? or whatever. It spins around. I really thought about that, but then I was like, I'm already going to have a hard time with, you know, Talking about business, nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants. To, it's boring. I mean, come on. In the in all reality, it's it's boring, and you're also you're also not really going to talk about how you faltered. You know, people don't want mm. to you know share their dirty laundry kind of thing. 
Um, I think it's a way to learn. I don't know if it, when people are watching this, they're going to see how my scarf just keeps <laughs> slipping further and further Your down. Scarf looks great. Um, so I just, I, I was like, well, you know, to, since the NFTs that I was seeing in my experience with NFTs, they were PFP projects and they were sure. really cool art and it was a, a visually pleasing kind of item. Right. So mm -hmm. I said, well, instead of a, you know how, when you go to Starbucks, everyone uses Starbucks as the example, but any grocery store where you have your, your savings card, you know, yes. and you give the card and then you say loyalty card, your loyalty cards. Right. Um, I, I toyed with that, but I was like, yeah, but I want people to kind of like, feel like they're owning something super special. And when I kind of fell in love with your art, I was projecting that a lot of people would be like, oh, not only do I get content that's related to business, but I'm also going to get this cool piece of art. So for me, it was actually very essential that the art was something that I could be, be in love with and that I could be proud to present as part of the collection, as part of the project. Uh, and then it's like, oh, and by the way, you get this boring business stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, a lot is... of people are interested in the business stuff, right? Like that's, I mean, if you look at podcasts, how many of them are popular podcasts that are focused on business? It's not a, Act, a, a thousand percent. Um, I think the thing with, uh, you know, I think the thing too is that it's web three. Mm -hmm. So that's for me, you know, it's not like I'm a, I'm not an influencer. I don't have 300,000 followers or, you know, anything like that. But I think that there are a lot of people that, I mean, I've been running into them like, wait, what? I don't understand anything that you just said. I don't understand those words that you just said. It's like, oh. You know, and, and so that's even why I started, I wrote a blog, everything no one told me, you know, about when I was looking into a digital wallet and, and what's next right, right, right. and how to buy one. I started publishing my own content to mm -hmm. have as a library for when I'm talking about this thing and sort of like if, if I had a book, right? If I had a book or a course, I would want to promote it and pitch it to people about what the value is and what's the, what's the content and how is it related to what I'm doing? Why should I buy this thing? Um, I wanted to be able to share with people and kind of un onboard them the best I could with the knowledge that I've had that I've collected in the past March. What is that? Nine months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. So basically but, your, your focus is um, looking at, from what I can tell, you're looking at mistakes you've made. And when people purchase these NFTs with my art, <laughs> yes. basically they're getting access to learning from these mistakes. Yes. And, and there's some that are, uh, you know, ours, but um, there's 366 of them because leap year mm -hmm. is included, even though leap year is not until 2024, but I couldn't leave leap year out. So uh, there's, but there's also mistakes we've witnessed. And okay. there's also mistakes we've uh, corrected, that we've counseled on, that we've consulted on. So it's, it's a collection of things we know that could go wrong. Okay. Uh, and, and also they're, they're positioned in a way where it's more, try, it, we try to be 
uh, and it, these aren't, you know, blogs or dissertations and white papers. I mean, they're simple emails, you know, mm -hmm. that are not complex. Some of them have supplemental resources, whether it's a downloadable document of something as a checklist or, you know, a, a article or a podcast or something, right? But um, it's, it's meant to be thought provoking or inspiring to remember that that's still part of the job. That's still mm -hmm. part of the purview that one has to exercise when they're taking care of business. Right, right. Now with that, you also have a community that you've kind of built up around this. Is it Geneva you, you were using? I think it was. I'm using Geneva versus mm -hmm. Discord or versus uh, Telegram. Mm -hmm. And only because to me, it seems very softer and it's, it's mm. not widely accepted the way Discord is, but I did start and I had a Discord server for this project. But I was so confused about how to manage anything coming in. And also, I've gotten scammed in Discord. Yeah, by... Discord, I don't know, man. Discord's yeah, kind of, I'm, I'm tired of Discord. Yeah, it's <laughs> I never was sketchy. a big fan, honestly. Well, it's it's pretty sketchy. And I got scammed in a DM because I didn't know. Oh, no. You know, I didn't know yeah. that when you, I didn't know the difference when a collection mints out and you're, you can only buy it on secondary, but you get a DM in Discord and we're, we got another mint going on. So here you go. And I did it. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so tuition to, you know, for learning these these little tricks of these scammers, but, um, but Geneva, I found Geneva through the coin Queens collection that I'm mm -hmm. in. And that's a group of women who, uh, their, their main motivation is to assist with onboarding women into web three and sharing information on just, you know, what is it? What is web three? What's an NFT? What's the blockchain and, and how to, kind of you know make it part of your business but they're a bunch of lovely women and they were in telegram and then she, um heather from coin queens she found geneva and i was like i think i could i like this it's not only hmm. softer but it's not so saturated and intense where you're risking like oh do i have to get a bot to like monitor shit i don't want to do that you know, I don't know. How to, I don't know how to install a bot into Discord. I almost hired someone to do it for me, and then I, I went to Geneva instead. It looks just so like just Discord. a little more user friendly, hey? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So the the long term goals here, because obviously this biz glitch thing, it's not just a one shot deal and then it's over. This is a this is a longer term thing, right? This like, is a long term so play. What mm -hmm. are your What are you imagining? You know, as time goes on, are you going to aim to build around this obviously a part of it is the community that you hope to kind of gather there on geneva i'm guessing some of that you also see on twitter yeah right, what else do you envision twitter, yeah. um i think what i envision is you know it's more of I'm not, i don't want to say that it's kind of self-serving because i love learning from other people so sure. I, so building the community where we can all kind of have an accountability group with like, hey, I'm having this happen in my business. Has anyone seen this? Like, well, mm -hmm. how do I handle something like this? You know, mm -hmm. and it would be just great to have a group of people who are ambitious, who are curious, 
who, you know, understand that we're fallible human beings. So we, you know, want to pick ourselves up and keep moving forward, but there are obstacles along the way. So, so my long-term vision really is just to have a safe place for people to share when things aren't perfect mm-hmm. because every day is, you know, is, it's a different, it's a different ball game, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, what I do like a lot about the project is there is the side of it. That's just the art, but there's the, also the side of it. That's the utility. And mm-hmm. if you just like the art, you can just buy it because you like the art and leave it at that. That's true. I mean, you the know, art is, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But of course there's the whole other side of it with the utility. Well, the utility and the other thing too is what I was learning about NFTs and the whole roadmap and the milestones with the roadmap. I mean, the utility is done. Like you're going to get the content because it's we yeah. wrote it. We it yeah. they've already been created, you know. So and it's all automated in my HubSpot CRM. Mm-hmm. So you get the email every day unless so you say you say you buy it like next week. Are you going to get that backlog of glitches from the previous couple of weeks? Well, you know, if, if that's a really great question that because I, I haven't had to do that yet, because every mm-hmm. the people that did mint, they minted either New Year's Eve or January 1st. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, but see, I'm open to being flexible. It's just a matter of if you want them, you can get them because- right you know, I don't, I'm not going to hold it back from you if you could, you know, if it helps. Right. So, um, it, it, that would just be a simple request. Like, yeah. And maybe they don't want to wait. They want to see what's already, what's already out there. You know, what, what have people been getting already? You know, if, <laughs> if they say they mint in two weeks, it's like, all right, what are the four other 14 glitches? And I'll have them all at once. Mm-hmm. It's like, fine. I don't, I'll send it to you they're done. So it's okay. You know, but nobody's really asked me for that. So, but it's a, it's a very good consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, what do you think? Like, what are you excited about for, I mean, 2023, I mean, 2022 was a weird year. You know, if I think back to, you know, March, April and what the NFT market was like, you know, it was pretty high at that time. It was, I remember being in LA in the spring and being like, oh yeah, this is rocking. And it didn't take long for things to kind of go downhill. You can um, thank me for that because I got involved. <laughs> <laughs> if I buy something, the market's going down. So just, you know, you're welcome. It came in <laughs> at the peak and now. it went down from there. <laughs> no, it's you know, it's true. an interesting, it's a wide, wide uh, ranging phenomenon. If you look at, I don't know, you can even look at Tesla. How much has Tesla dropped in the, the same amount of time? 70%? Yeah, right? Do you, like, you get the morning brew? Get no. that daily email. See another daily, you know, content okay. delivering kind of pro, uh, platform. But morning brew, the the, the subject line was test lump. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember when. So we had a client. Oh my gosh, I was still in the insurance business. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. This had to have been. Well, I, I would know the answer if I knew when Tesla started. But it, maybe it was 20. It felt like 2010. Uh, a lot of shit happened in 2010, but. Whether it was 20, 2010 or right. 20, yeah, whatever it was, we had a client who bought one. And I was like, 
damn, that is early adopter shit going on right there for sure. You know, and I don't know if he still has it because I've <laughs> lost touch with any of my clients from insurance, but yeah. Oof. Oh, and speaking of who, who was just um, tweeting about how somebody bought a board ape for 1.3 million. It's 54,000 now. Oof. Yeah. That's, that's rough. so uh, the, what I was trying to get at was oh, yeah. what do you see for 2023? Like, are we going to see, you know, my personal, you know, and this isn't financial advice or anything, but I feel like the feds gotta gonna slow down their rate hikes sometime soon. Oh right? yeah. And that should result in a shift in market behavior. You would think there's, it's always a cycle. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, I used to have my, my six and 63. So I, you know, I I wasn't, I didn't have a seven, but I would help people save money for their retirement, set up accounts and stuff. And, you know, and that started in, um, Oh, one. And, and I, even with my own portfolio, as an example, I see it go up. I see it go down. You know, the, the, the thing is, is just how we handle it emotionally. And if, if, you know, you'll have advisors that say, don't look at your account every day, especially if you're not the one controlling it, because you'll have Mm, people who are mm -hmm. trading on their own, or they have a, you know, a foundation type of um, account. So they're, they're doing their own investments. But I don't really think it's a wise decision to look at it every day because it's very emotional. It's sort of like what this with 2022, when people were looking at ETH constantly going down, you know, and after a while, I mean, just to be practical, unless you're like independently wealthy, uh, you know, you, you, want to buy the dip. They talk about the buy the dip or, you know, before the crypto and the um, and NFTs, it's like if the market was down, you would just keep investing. That's what they call dollar cost averaging, right? So mm-hmm. you have to decide a strategy of how you're going to manage emotionally when the account is down. You don't want to pull out when it's down because then you really will lose. So I don't know. I just... I don't have anything magical or intellectual because I think it, it, everyone has to manage it on their own, how they manage it themselves. And that's why advisors exist. So you can have the 911 call and say, I'm really terrified here because there are reasons to be terrified. If your account is half, you know, 50% down, then what do you do? Mm-hmm. And I think that just a lot of counseling has to go on on, well, it's only on paper we're not liquid, we're not liquidating. So let's just calm down and (laughs) keep investing bits of money every week or every month, depending on when you get it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just, you know, there's conflicting stories in the news often because, you know, you'll see a lot of, you know, talk of, Oh, 2023 is going to be a huge recession, recession, recession. Right. And it's like, okay, but if they're slowing down rate hikes, to the point that they're not doing rate hikes probably within a couple of months, I'm guessing. I'm then, you know, at some point you think, okay, there has to be some kind of shift here in the way the media is the media, their job is, you know, that's their job is to scare people. Am I just being overly optimistic? Um, I think I don't, I don't know. 
know. I mean, I, I, I think anything could happen. <laughs> I don't, I, I really don't know. Um, there's, since the pandemic, I don't know. I think there's, there's room for improvement that's going to happen. I just feel like without really, I don't really deal with a lot of finances or financing investments and stuff, but mm -hmm. I think there's always good news and there's always bad news. So sure. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know, to be honest. I have no okay. predictions because it's, there's going to be days that suck and there's going to be days that are great. So, so what about you? What are your plans for this new year? I am, we're going to be hustling this year for uh, not only this project, but we also have our channel that we nurtured for the EIDL loan. We mm -hmm. are continuing with that and we're going to be building up content for uh, when people need a natural disaster across the country. Uh, we want to be able to be a resource for people who are applying for a loan for the natural disaster. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. And then plus I have a couple of marketing clients that I work with. I don't look to hire. I don't promote myself to be hired by insurance agencies and professionals, but uh, I, if somebody does ask, like, are you involved? You know, can you get involved with me? Can you help me? I may consider it. It's not my first choice to help businesses with their marketing because it's, I would rather do marketing for my own business. I have found when I left the agency and I thought, oh, I'm going to help other agencies grow. They were not as excited as I was for them to grow. They were like, we're good. <laughs> we got our renewals coming in. We're good. <laughs> So, Funny. but, um, I, you know, I love your question about 2023 and I know you usually have a little segment on like what's happening in the industry. And I'm just the worst person to ask that because I'm like, I think, you know, I think, I think it's, it, there's always going to be ups and there's going to be downs. There's, there's always opportunities to buy when things are bad. There's always something bad going on enough to take advantage of it as an investment. If you want to find it or build, right. Or build, build yeah. building during it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best time to build because you look around and there's so many projects, you know, companies and so forth that really didn't have, you know, a legitimate thing to offer. Right. And, you know, when the market fell, people realized, oh, okay, no, this is, there's, there's nothing to this. Right. You know, um, and so now we're in a time where the real projects with people who are actually wanting to build something, you know, can make a place for themselves. Well, so I think it's how people kind of innovate with a void somewhere that might not have existed before. You know, I mean, we, we went through that with our, you know, there, there were people that started talking about how to apply for the EIDL, but they weren't actually telling you how to apply. They were just telling you how bad it is. You know, that mm. was kind of the, the bigger channels we came up against. They were just telling you what was going on and how bad it is, but they weren't telling you how to overcome the problem. And that's why we kind of carved out a little niche for ourselves because we were, we, we didn't have an agenda like, oh, we're not going to tell you unless you hire us. It's like, go ahead, take our information, take our intel. 
we're monetized on YouTube anyway, so we'll get a, we'll get a little ad revenue. You know? But if you can get approved, that's a win for us. You know, I mean, we had sure. we we were able to quantify seventy million dollars of disaster funding that business owners got around the country uh, that we know of. We probably were co closer to hundred million because people would come on our channel and say, "I did what you told us to do, and I got approved." And they didn't hire mm. us. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we were just, you know, that's why all my gifts, some of them have like the noisemakers because I would bring props onto our show and I would make gifts out of them, you know, because people would share like I would never have gotten approved if I didn't watch your show. And that that was, you know, you can't quantify that kind of feeling and that satisfaction of how you help somebody in that regard. You know, that's right. priceless. that's really yep. just so that made me happy. Right. And I mean, people can still find these shows, right? These are all on uh, YouTube, right? They're, uh... Yeah, they're on YouTube. But I mean, that Trevor and I were talking about that. The, the shame of it is that our channel kind of went stagnant since the program mm. closed in May. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. So and it's not evergreen content. It's not evergreen. It was based on the real time of the the, the life of a, a loan or the life of the SBA in the program. Mm -hmm. um, so which is why we're switching to talking about the natural disasters, because that still exists. And that's the, the fundamental infrastructure for the program. Right on. Yeah. So people can still find that then if they go to your profile, they can still find those new episodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're uh, YouTube.LindaRay and Trevor, which is like not the best name because I have to spell R-E-Y and and is spelled out A-N-D. So, <laughs> but now YouTube has where you have the at sign. They, they, okay. It's yes. sort of yeah. like Instagram, what yep. but what's, what's, there's a malfunction with this new concept that they introduced where you, if you put in like where, so our, our EIDL channel is at EIDL experts. Mm -hmm. with an S. If you go on YouTube and put that in, I don't think it, it doesn't come up as this, uh, when you search it. Oh, okay. yeah. And then our other YouTube channel that we've been growing for a year, knowing that EIDL was going to go away is the. Uh, youtube.com slash aurora consulting which is another not great name because a u r o a i, I, I gotta buy a vowel <laughs> but well, I i've got the same problem with my name because it's kind of an unusual spelling of the word klein yes uh, so yes. but you know it's Dutch. what can i tell you yeah there you go yeah <laughs> <laughs> people just have to learn it yeah yeah i mean nowadays once you follow somebody once do you ever really look at the spelling no you just go to a you know, bookmarked tag or whatever, right? Well, the machine learning gives it, it pops up as a, I will put in, yeah, so I knew, so K-L-E-I, I knew it was E-I-N-E, but it took me a while. But I, you know, even you're on Twitter, it's dash, right? Don't you have an underscore? I have an underscore because, yeah, because there's another decline. Oh, really? That They blocked me because I think people were constantly adding them instead of me. <laughs> Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> but yeah, even without the dash or the underscore, you still pop up. But I've also, right. you know, searched you so many times it knows. Yeah, that, that would help. That would help. It's like, oh, she's a stalker. Let's like, you know, <laughs> let's give the her. Did you see this name. whole thing where Twitter like actually like bans like searching suggestions for some people and stuff like that? So you oh, can't I find them when you search for them? Really? Yeah, you can. What you can do is you can type in on Google. Maybe you've never done this. Type in MI shadow band. I'll do it right now. 
on Twitter. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. And what comes up, the top site there is Y-U-Z-U-Y-U-Z for American listeners. Y-U-Z-U-R-I-S-A.com or Yuzuriza. You go to the Twitter shadow ban test and it says, is username shadow banned on Twitter? And you just put in your name. Okay. Um, so I would do what? underscore decline. Yeah. Okay. And I check and it will show you it says decline exists. There's no search suggestion ban on me. So that's where if there was, if you were to type my name in, it wouldn't pop up my handle. Right? Oh, okay. 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 So basically it makes you impossible to find if you're not oh, already friends. Okay. Then no search. I don't have a search ban. I don't have a ghost ban. You basically get ghosted where you'll post stuff and nobody sees it. Right. <gasps> and there's uh no reply de-boosting like where you're you know some people just reply all day just to try to boost their engagement but it's not authentic replies you know they're just it's just a bot throwing in a you know oh you know come check this out or you know oh you're having problems with metamask or whatever right those kinds of bots yeah yeah, so if you're ever if you're ever wondering if you are shadow banned on twitter I am going to, I'm going to look that, you know, what just happened today that was, uh, perplexing is I've Mm -hmm. had Twitter blue, Mm -hmm. not the check mark Twitter blue, the $3 and 18 cents Twitter blue, not the $11 Twitter blue. (laughs) And uh, $3 and 18 cents version. There's a, the the first version that I signed up for was $2.99 a month. Okay. Taxes $3.18. And that's how you get your NFT profile, where you can choose one of your NFTs for your profile picture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, You also could send a text and have, I think it felt like it was either 10 seconds or 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. and you could undo the tweet before, but then- but then you could hit send now. And then they introduced that you can edit it within 30 minutes. Yes, I love that feature. I love the feature, but now today, all of a sudden, my tweets are being sent without me having to trip, you know, double confirm to send now. And oh. I, when I go to edit, do you have the Twitter blue? I do. I have the two ninety nine one. Okay. Are they saying know. that's no longer a feature of the two ninety nine one? You have to buy the eight ninety nine one. It literally just happened like three hours ago for the first time. Huh. So I don't, glitch. it could be a glitch. There you go. Another glitch there. Like, <laughs> first of all, I can't remember how I even pay. I, texture is my favorite word. But when I was thinking about mistakes, I was like, we got to like dress it up a little bit, make it fun and put some texture into the word and, and glitch came up. Maybe I was inspired right. by your art making it glitchy. And there is a thing as hashtag glitch art. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. That was re- the original concept was because we talked about that together. And I think yeah. that's where it came from. Was it yeah. you did you think of it? And maybe I'm forgetting, I but I think it was the two of us together talking about it. And it was like that like glitch is gonna be the word. Yeah, I think so. By the way, you are not shadow banned, Linda. Oh, right? thank you for checking. Okay. Yeah. Because you know I was like, are we done here? Because I gotta go check on that. <laughs> You're okay. You're good. Okay. No ban. No ban on your name. No suggestion ban. No search ban. Especially since I've been pimping my tweets for the project. (laughs) I think you have to be excessive. Like I've seen people who've said they've been 
had it happen and I'm like, what were you doing? Like how many tweets were you? I know. You know, you can do it where you you follow too many people at once. Like anything that's like really like bot like behavior. Oh, okay. You're doing something like just excessively. Then it's gonna be like, uh wait a minute, what are you doing? If you can pull out if you can pull off bot like behavior, then you've got like some human condition superpowers, (laughs) right? well okay maybe spammy behavior is a better okay yes it's not necessarily a bot but but yeah uh, you're right it's like what were you doing yeah so i don't know (laughs) i don't know but there's been a lot of questionable you know issues at twitter with the e E man the em man of things that i'm in a dm group and they were like i can't edit my profile name oh I'm like what you know i i was like i don't know how i don't know what like but now i'm having a thing about twitter blue you know it's like i pay for it <laughs> why can't i access it you know so that is annoying yeah if you're paying for it no. it shouldn't be yeah, yeah. so far so, i've had a good experience with that so um yeah i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens with twitter over the next little while i mean they're they're having some financial problems too speaking of oh so we'll see what happens there epic this is like talk about like news stuff happening in the news i mean see that's what i'm saying there are so many layers of things that could happen that could cause a you know a cataclysmic ripple in the in the in the system right i mean i was Mm -hmm. trevor just sent me a he's like you better buy ford now and he sent me a and he sent me a link how Ford was down, but electric cars were up. And it's like, see, it's like they're down, but that's up. It's so like you could really be completely emotionally on a roller coaster with all the things that could drive financial success or financial ruin, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. And so you kind of have to temper, you know, it's just like anything else. You have to prioritize. All right is this going to be something overnight I need to worry about? Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage next month? You know, (laughs) I mean, it's all this responsibility. It's like, Oh, I didn't sign up for this. (laughs) Tricky times. Yeah. Well, Hey, I really appreciate you uh, spending this time with me and I appreciate working with you. It was a pleasure doing the project with you. And I hope that, you know, long-term, you know, we can, uh, stay connected and that uh, the community grows for biz glitch and we can see a lot of success there too and if you haven't checked it out folks check out linda ray and check out biz glitch nft yeah at biz glitch nft is on twitter uh the um website is auroraconsulting.biz slash let's dash glitch another not great name but (laughs) i'll put the links in the description so people don't have to type it in I wanted to kind of keep it on the website and not create a whole new website. And that actually was advised to me because my, our website had already been, it's been established for, for yeah, four sure. years. No, that so. makes a lot of sense. But yeah. I thank you for, you know, I was so sad when you were like, I'm done. I'm like, oh, I loved getting the DMs with all the, it was like Christmas morning for three months. <laughs> sending the little jpegs to you (laughs) yeah it was great thank you so much for working with me and being so creative and fun and easy to work with so i appreciate that yeah it's awesome well i really appreciate you too and uh say hi to trevor for me i will thanks d
<laughs> Thank you very much. Have an awesome day. You too. Ciao. Okay. Take care. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode of NFP with Decline, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks again for listening to the Non-Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.